This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I just drink wine. Oh my god, we just blew out our levels so oh, hardcore. Sorry, sorry. Uh-huh. We're, we're a little wild because we're still waiting for our guest. Yeah, so we're just doing the intro Yeah, recording. this is the wine situation. We find out people's situation with wine. When our guest gets here, we'll find out his. His situation with wine. That's Ellen Clifford over there. She is the Mademoiselle Le Palette. Oui. She is so accomplished in wine studies. I can't even begin to list, but I will. <laughs> you don't have to. I can rattle them off you real quick. Yeah. You should do yours. Uh, I'm, I'm a certified sommelier from the court, which means nothing because I don't work in a restaurant, but it gives me a good pen. And I'm in the middle of the diploma program of uh, the W sets and dying because I've got two giant tests Wednesday. Ugh. You're going to do it. I believe in you. I'm going to do it. I so believe in I'm you. I'm going to knock that blind tasting of spirits out. I'm going to be like, this is kachasa. What? Excuse me? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, is that some weird... Ob- that's, it's a type like, of rum. It's Brazilian rum. I was going to... Okay. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Polish like I totally potato. nailed it in blind tasting practice last night. Nobody else knew what it was. Damn. I'm like, if it tastes like ass, it's probably... Kachasa. I'm sorry. Kachasa. It, it doesn't taste like ass, but it's a little funky. It sounds kind of uh, Japanese-y. Oh. The, well, maybe I don't pronounce it Brazilian enough. That's Sean Buckholtz. Oh, nice, nice. He's deflect. the wine whisperer who will, uh, you know, he he looks, he puts his hand on your heart mm-hmm. warmly, just from afar, like energetically. <laughs> I put my hand he on your locks heart. Eyes, I, I, I respect, just momentarily. I respect your personal space, unless you don't utmost. want him to, and then he's in. <laughs> yeah. Um, no matter what, if you say, and then he will whisper softly to you. You need a spit. Mm. Or a Pinot Blanc. Or Blanc Frankish. Or a Toriga National. Or Schiava. Schiava! (laughs) (laughs) She's so excited about Schiava. I mean, I never drink Schiava. I'd like Uh, some. That sounds like it would be. It's so hot here. We have a great Schiava next door here at Barcovel. Oh. It's a good one. Oh, man. Check it out, yo. Yeah. Do we have a mailbagger? Oh, yeah. What did da- was it David? What uh, did he ask? DZ. Oh, DZ. DZ in, in, the, in the mail. In the mail? What did he ask? Tell me. Oh, he Read was asking, uh, what's the deal with uh, sabering champagne? Is it something I should look into? Oh. I've never done it. Have you? I've never physically done it myself, but I've been around a lot of people that have done it. I've been, I've seen, I watched my friends do it for the, I was so mad. It was my tasting group and we were tasting and then we went out drinking and then we were like, both she and I said, we've never sabered. And, and Johnny's like, we'll come back. We'll saber something. And she got to do it, and I didn't. Oh. And I'm just, Did she successfully saber? She totally did it like a boss her first time. Yeah. It relies on physics, basically. You don't have to use strength. You don't, need, you don't even need a blade. You can no. use, apparently, the rim of a champagne glass to saber champagne, which is what I would love to do. Yeah, you know what? I, actually, I, I think I've done this before. Can we do this at the end of this? We can, yeah. But, I mean, I yeah. guess it's like finding the seam of the glass, yeah. um, of the bottle, and you get like the blunt side of the knife. Yeah. And you kind of like run it along that seam. Yeah. And you and hit it at the right angle, and the pressure makes the glass split where it was welded together. Yeah. And it just like. And apparently, you're supposed to let it run over a little just to make sure no glass shards get in the bottle. Mm hmm. And God, then you we got to do pour this. It. Yeah. And then you have like a very dangerous bottle. We, we poured the bottle she sabered and, and made Negroni Spagliatos out of it. it Ooh, great. Actually, fancy. yeah, that was my touch because we'd been... Ta- I just I was like, here, I got to pour more things in this glass now because <laughs> I was just so jealous that there was no more bottles to saber. Alas. Sorry, I'm, I'm not bitter. <laughs> you, could, you could get a sabered bottle or, or get a bottle and then saber it. I'd love to have a badass saber. I think you can do it. Oh, you, oh, you yeah. just want like no, a full No, but you and on, I like, should do that. We knife. should have a saber party where we lose our saber virginity together. <laughs> <laughs> that's not like, that sounds bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> we should have a saber party. Saber it's party. Hashtag saber, saber party. Ugh. And that's where we developed the hashtag. Um, so DZ. Party. Yeah, DZ. So go for it. Just yeah. um, try it. Try like a Prosecco or something. Yeah. Or well, like no, a that, that may not have high enough. You want a fully pressurized bottle, I think. You shake it up. Oh, okay. Um, but I would say watch some videos first. There we go. The old internet. And if you think at all there's glass inside that bottle, don't drink it. Not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth the shards. We are not medical doctors. We are not surgeons, bottle surgeons. We are not a 
we don't have the credentials to give this advice. I had a friend of a friend that was like, we don't have a wine opener. And they just broke the top of the bottle off. Yeah. And then they took a sip and they like cut their lip. And I'm like, well, yeah. yeah. And I'm you just know, like, with some old uh, ports, they have these port tong things where they me? like port. I'd never heard of this the other day. And then I saw this crazy video. They like, he- I don't remember what the purpose in it is, but they heat these tongs and clamp it around the bottle. And like the heat breaks the bottle and they take the top off that way. And I, they do it on like vintage port. I'm not sure why. That seems Look cool. Look up port tongs. Yeah. They like to they like to heat things with fire in port in Madeira. Yeah. <laughs> and then let it sit in attics and ferment. Yeah. <laughs> they do all That's sorts of crazy Our guest is here, Darren Lowe from Domain Anderson. Do you say Domain Anderson? Domain Anderson? Domain Anderson. From Domain up Anderson. in Northern California. We already have some, some bubbles poured for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if Very exciting. Uh, this is the winemaker from the domain, so he is the the guy behind the guy behind the booze. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to tell us what we're drinking? What we have in our glass here? Yes. Yeah, so this is the 2011 Lemitage from Rotor Estate. Oh wow! Which will tie into Domain Anderson. Aha! Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. the, the bottle is coming to the there. table. Yeah. It's a handsome bottle. Mm-hmm. Shall we cheers? Cheers! Yeah. Welcome! Cheers! Well, Welcome thank to our coming. podcast. The show. Yeah. 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 Thank cheers. you. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> Yeah, so the uh, 2011 um, Rotor State L'Hermitage is our Tête de Cuvée. Six years on the yeast. It's a beautiful, beautiful wine. Oh, wow. It really, really is. Especially on a warm Southern California afternoon. This is a hot day today. Seriously, isn't it? perfect. Uh, yeah. Perfect on a hot day. 2011 brute. Yeah. Mm, that's tasty. <clears throat> so I wanted to bring that to illustrate the lineage. Of uh, Rotor Estate. Right, because, uh, wait, so uh, Domain Anderson was started by Rotor, right? Yes. Domain, Domain Anderson are the still wines from Rotor Estate. And Rotor Estate is a producer of sparkling wines from the Anderson Valley, uh, two and a half hours north of San Francisco, mm-hmm. um, in Mendocino County, growing uh, 650 acres of Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Well, in the champagne sparkling wine tradition. Those are great for champagne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no Pinot Meunier, though. Uh, there's a little parcel of Pinot Meunier. Cool, but, cool. Um, yes, and so uh, Domain Anderson was, uh, yeah, is the uh, most recent project for the Louis Roderer family mm-hmm. from Champagne. Uh, and uh, that's the, the red, uh, the Pinot Noir and the Chardonnay, the still wines from Anderson Valley. Okay. Excellent. So they do like a sparkling, they do a, a red, and they do a white too? Or they, the Chardonnay and the Pinot? Yeah. So cool. Domain Anderson is is a, the Pinot and Chardonnay. Oh, nice. I do a little rosé as well. Oh. Nice. Yeah. Cool, cool. And you're kind of driving the bus up there. You're the you're the captain? I'm the bus driver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People just get on and off the yeah, bus. Right. Some people have exact change. Yeah, some people don't. Make a lot of noise back right there. Yeah. All, these, uh, all these uh, extra stops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All these bags they're bringing. Yeah. What is in those bags? Why do you have all those bags with you? Bring bottles home. Yeah. 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 I could go with this bus time. analogy for a yeah. long time. <laughs> Let's try to keep it up. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah. Uh, well, this is uh, our, the show where we try and find out what people's situation with wine is. So, uh, uh, when what's what's your situation with wine? How did you how did you grew up around wine? It sounds I think. Oh yeah, yeah. I so. How did you get into it? Quick yeah. background: I'm a, I'm from Northern California, from uh, Hillsburg, um, California, which is uh, the center of Sonoma County wine. My folks had a, a little wine shop, and that's how I started really tasting wines. But um, how old were you when your parents were letting you drink wine? I mean, we were tasting wines first, so. Uh, uh, but uh, oh, I always, advise yeah. drinking very yeah. young. So. <laughs> I was like in my adolescent years, mm-hmm. I'd cool. say. Yeah, it was a uh, you know, like by seventh eighth grade, started uh, just tasting a little bit of a uh, wine. And back then, it was kind of Zinfandel out of Dry Creek Valley was kind mm. of the, the oh, big, yeah. the big uh, deal. And so our wine shop focused on the Zinfandel, uh, uh, the early '90s, late '80s Zinfandels. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm from Santa Rosa, 
Okay. Yeah, so we're at Santa Rosa High, so I'm very familiar with those. Awesome. Zinfandels, yeah, yeah with drive. Santa Rosa High. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> Sorry, just a fan girl. Hills were good. <laughs> uh, you, had, you, you were the big school. It was a big school. Yeah. 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 <laughs> a lot of, lot of, lot of kids. I didn't, didn't Peggy Sue get married there? Yep. And then Scream. Yeah, right. they, they tried to shoot Scream there and they got kicked out. I don't know. This is some NorCal. I love this. I've got tennis right, right. years well, they, between them. No, they, I love hearing this. It's exciting uh, to yeah. hear how people from similar hometowns talk about their, like in St. Louis, there's this thing that everybody, I don't know how the tradition got started, but if you meet another St. Louis and you're supposed to ask where they went to high school. Apparently has something to do with the Catholic school system there, but it's just like a St. Louis thing. So it's always yeah. interesting to see how people from similar people see what tribe connect. you ran with. Right, you know? I think so. <laughs> but up north, it's a wine tribe. Were you in yeah. like the Zinfandels, or were you in the Cabernet? He was the Zinfandel yeah. tribe. Yeah, well. <laughs> not not the... for long, though. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, what happened? I mean, I'm still a fan of Zen, so feel free to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I'm not gonna. I like Zen. It's been a while, um, but uh, yeah. So that's my introduction to wine, and then. I started just uh, needing uh, some extra cash right before school started, and so I worked a harvest in the Dry Creek Valley for Dry Creek Vineyards. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's when I really kind of started falling in love with with the, everything about, like, working with wine, tasting wine, all the all the things were such a mystery to me for winemaking. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I was still 17. Oh, wow. Yeah. And just uh, working pump overs for harvest and then going back to school with a bunch of money. <laughs> you know, not bad. Yeah. Where were you in school at at the time? I was in high school. Oh, in high oh, school. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then bottling, you know, just yeah, yeah. like, but everybody sat down together at lunch and broke bread and uh, it was a long table and it was just really convivial and fun. And you're making me want to work a harvest someday. <laughs> no. I've never done it. Oh gosh. It's so romantic. I mean, I, I know it's exhausting and I'm, I, I hear it's quite exhausting anyway, but it sounds at the same time wonderful. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of time that you're, making wine so mm-hmm. like intensely a lot of manual labor too a lot of lifting of things mm-hmm. and a lot of red hands a lot of red <laughs> hands yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of a lot of dirt and twigs and have you ever things. worked at Harvest no I haven't mm-hmm. I was supposed to work Topless Creek and then I was supposed to help uh, Jasper but I haven't I, some things came up and I couldn't go do it I was a bum bummed out yeah, but um, yeah, so you, you guys, if you'd like, come on up to Domain Anderson. I would yeah. love to, you yeah. know, even for a day, just to see how harvest can go. For and, sure, you know, it'd be fun. It'd be, did be you, pretty easy. Yeah, did you just harvest? You just finished harvest? We or? did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any so. year we'll hit you. Up. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> oh, ah yeah. man, just missed it. Uh, pretty much everybody in the North Coast's uh, wine regions are, for the most part, done. Maybe there's some cabs out there still, uh, but you know, we're what. In early November now. Yeah, yeah. November first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I would, I would hope you'd be done. <laughs> it was, a, it was a kind of a, a season to have like long hang times. This, really? Yeah, because every there was no real heat spike in 2018, mm-hmm. so everything was ripening really even and 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 at a good pace. I was gonna say, are you excited about the fruit you got? Oh yeah, yeah. 2018s I think gonna be... are gonna be spectacular. Wow, right. cool. Yeah. Note that. Note that, listeners. Yeah. yeah. 2018, California, Anderson Valley. Coming soon. In a year. Right. Ish. <laughs> <laughs> We're very in tune over here. We didn't even plan that. Yeah. It's all that sparkling wine going right to our heads. Yeah, this is really, this is lovely. It's yeah. uh, lovely. Did you go, did you study somewhere? Did you just kind of learn on the job then, your winemaking? And yeah, I, I, I went to Santa Cruz, and, there, and I was able mm-hmm. to, you see there, you can make your own major. It was one of the more liberal UCs, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So I put together, you know, sciences and language and education abroad, and then went to France to do my education abroad in wine. And so I kind of pieced together an individual enology winemaking degree. Cool. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> yeah. Where did you study when you went to France? In t- in Bordeaux. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and now here you are with Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. <laughs> Fits right, yeah. It doesn't fit right along with the, the, the narrative, but yeah. So so spent uh, a year in Bordeaux and uh, actually spent a harvest in Entre Deux Mer, oh. um, wow. and living with a family that was uh, making wine. I remember seeing on on the atelier their little shop that they had back there, um, uh, the sixteen hundred forty something. So that they've had that wow. land and the vines mm. in their family since then. 
Wow. Yeah. But it was, you know, it wasn't like a Grand Chateau. It was like a, you know, there was some uh, Semillon and Sauvignon Blanc, a little bit of red, but it was, uh, there was a traveling winemaker, like a consultant that would come by. And hmm. yeah, it was, you know, now the, the sun, it was Chateau Jean Roudier. So, I mean, it's not a very famous name, but mm-hmm. now the sun, you know, he's been making the wines. He had to, he, they weren't putting in barrel at the time, and now they have barrel, you know, it's just like certain things that, uh, with the passing of the generations just get better uh, in terms of winemaking and wine growing. Wow. Mm-hmm. What do you think is different between like French winemaking and like American winemaking? Like like one of the bigger things that you could think of, you're like, oh, over there they don't care about X or over there they are more concerned with this than we are over here. I think one thing I learned uh, when I was in France was uh, living with wine, you know, and, and uh, what else? Like, so I think... Maybe it's not really the case now, but back in, so that was like the early 90s. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of, not to badmouth Davis, but like a lot of, a lot of, a, a lot of, a, you know, I mean, like, I didn't go to Davis, but a lot of, um, I know I really judged you hard for that. I was like, oh, he didn't know, go to I Davis, get off the podcast. Yeah, right. um, a lot of, uh, there was a one school of winemaking during the 70s and 80s, and that was Davis. Yeah. Pretty much the famous one. And, uh, Winemaker, American winemakers came out kind of with one type of style or philosophy of winemaking, very safe style of winemaking. Mm-hmm. Um, Their really, school bus had uh, seat belts. <laughs> Just to use the bus <laughs> right, analogy, right, right. sorry. We're we're like, to try bus, and like, right. bring a call back to that yeah, as many times as possible. Yeah. Uh, not wild bunch, not, you know, but uh, in terms of like winemaking, not, not a lot of risk takers, which I think when you're starting and you know it was at the nascent time of, of California wine yeah. it needed to be safe because not a yeah. lot of people knew what they were doing and then on top of that like wine the science of wine was really not I mean it was kind of just, just getting going as well like 60s 70s you know Yeah. this uh, Austrian winemaker once told me and he was an intern when I was at in Santa Cruz I worked to harvest at, at, a, at Hallcrest it was up in the Santa Cruz mountains but he told me the thing that he noticed and I kind of agree um was that American winemakers don't really have a feeling for wine. Oh, mm. uh, yeah. Like like an intrinsic sense of like, mm, right. two more days on the vine. Or like, yeah, well, I mean, just like intrinsic. Or like maybe we should wait a week to rack or something like that. Yeah. I mean, we've been doing it for, in California, at most, what, three generations? At most. At most, yeah. yeah. And those are the owners. Those are right. the great growers, the owners. And that's like, and so, like, but the workers, like in, uh, you know, when, uh, after I took this job, I, I um, went over to Louis Roder in, mm-hmm. in, in uh, Reims in, in, and to, oh, to, in Champagne, in Champagne yeah. to visit and to kind of just see how things are done, and which was important for the kind of culture of the company. Yeah. But, uh, you know, one thing I, I noticed, and I, and I knew this, but there's been generations of, even if you didn't own vineyards in Champagne, you somehow were involved working it like your grandfather picked these grapes or your you know uncle worked for this winery or you know you were grape growers at one you know something Mm -hmm. it's in your blood it's it's in your blood yeah and and that's just at the worker level you know the 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 kind of boots on the ground level and what is not present in the u.s is that history you know we have you know we have a lot of latin mexican workers in in the in in the field and, and either they're migrant or they're not migrant but like that's a culture that's not necessarily drinking wine when they were growing up right and and you know so we're really young wine nation and they're like first generation uh, right. people working you know yeah, yeah. And so like it's it's like they're learning right. from harvest to harvest too yeah. like and it's still the wild west out here i mean literally yeah. you know, yeah. we're on the west but if you have you know entrepreneurship you can you can talk about wine and make it and sell yourself and become like that rock star winemaker. Right. And, you know, it's it's not that far of a jump to kind of just convince people that you're a great winemaker, you know, and, and, and whether you have like the, the, the good material to do so or not. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's what's good about making wine in California is also because there's that freedom. There's all that venture capital money. There's that. <laughs> And a lot of it's going into, you know, making great wines in Santa Cruz Mountains right now. Oh, know? I know. Santa Cruz is such, it needs to be split up as an AVA. I think it's, I, I just feel like it's so diverse up there. And there's so much going on in Santa Cruz Mountains that it's just, it's very, you know, shadowed right now, I feel like. 
where like Russian River is like a spotlight and Dry Creek obviously has been spotlighted. Anderson Valley, I think, is a new Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it's so north it's hard to get to. It's kinda rural. You yeah. know, I've been yeah. there once or twice. It's the edge. It's the edge, you know, and <laughs> it's like I see <clears throat> excuse me, I see what people love to grow grapes there. But. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what makes <coughs> grapes express uh, themselves um, that being on the edge, like yeah. gr- growing kind of like right at the the fringes, that the margins kind of makes the grape show a certain character that yeah. I think you can't get in like you know you don't want like I, don't, I, want, I guess in those, like in like Tokaland on <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right on twenty nine yeah, all those yeah. all those Kaptov grapes that are just like hey here we are <laughs> struggling now yeah right. <laughs> so like stop taking pictures of me please no paparazzi <laughs> right yeah yeah. So um, <laughs> you're just there for show, even though they're the most expensive grapes in almost the world. But anyway. Tokelon, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like, seven thousand dollars a ton or something? Oy. Yeah, there's like you know, it, it, sometimes if you're farming it, I've seen stuff like on the the report, the yearly report, like you know, ten thousand dollars a ton. What? I mean, that was a few years back too. So I yeah. don't know what kind of craziness is going on. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's that one vineyard that kind of like skews everything that everybody kind of like, okay, that's why the the curve is that numbers up high. That's true. That's true. So what landed you in Anderson Valley then? Just for for all those reasons, you kind of wanted to get away from the the beaten path there? After graduating, I've always like wanted to get into Pinot. So Mm -hmm. like my path like took me to Oregon. I made some sparkling uh, in the Russian River uh, and then um, did a little stint in cab land in Napa to like make sure that I'd didn't want to, <laughs> to and, and then uh, and then I was out in the coast uh, that Sonoma coast yeah um, but then I came back to Anderson Valley uh, it's as a new challenge and also I think there's a great great potential for it to be the new the kind of it's really under the radar for so many people yeah um, and it's a nice cooler climate there right yeah or well it's rustic yeah. it's a small town I mean, it really, Boonville is a small, small town, town, which with, you know, with good and bad coming out of like small, you're in a small community mm-hmm. and it's, it's limited. Like, you know, there's no like Bloomingdale's on the corner there, or, you know, which is probably good. <laughs> Do you see people? It's my favorite. <laughs> right, right, right. I just Where saw it, I just saw it like today. And I'm going to get my pashminas. Right, right, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's my chilly shawls. out here. In yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love a nice shawl pashmina when I'm in the South. I don't know. <laughs> I, I was just going to ask if you see um, if, if there people are anticipating having. I'm, I'm in the middle of a research project <laughs> about uh, wine tourism, so I, I was curious if, if you guys are anticipating having more, having to welcome more people into the region and like how to deal with that. Good well, question. Yeah, I, th- I think um, yeah, there's there's a there's and that how to going keep on. The rusticity and the right. small nature of it without yeah yeah because I, I think there's plenty of examples locally, well locally like up there of like what can happen when a wine region blows up. Mm-hmm. San Lena, or when, mm-hmm. a, when a community, Hillsburg. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, Sebastopol. Yeah. So, so there's plenty you think of... they did handle it well, or...? Yeah, I think to a certain extent. I think yeah. uh, some better than others, you know. But it's, uh, you know, part of it is you got to roll with the punches a bit and control the change to how you want to shape your community. Yeah. Because otherwise, you know, I think California's so crazy anyways. Like, it's going to... What what makes the the it charming, saying Healdsburg is um, is the community the yeah. kind of craziness. I mean, what makes it sophisticated are all like the restaurants, but you still have to have lo- local people come in. And this is like this is a California problem, it's right? Like, this is a I California was thinking problem. about how in Napa, I think it was 1990, they passed a thing that like defined a winery in a way that would really limit the visitors and like they wouldn't be able to hold weddings in, in order to like keep things at least a little more. I don't know. For yeah. like a better word, pure. Yeah. Or right. I don't know how well that worked, but yeah. this is all the nerdery yeah. I've been right. reading recently. <laughs> Sorry. Well, there's that. <laughs> but measure, I'm curious because yeah. you're in an up and coming. Yeah. Region. And there's not much to just you know to to stay or there's not a lot of places to stay at up there. And a lot of infrastructure for people visiting too. Yeah. So that so there's that. It's it's a, you know we're we're still out, but we're like you know. Like say Healdsburg for the Bay Area is like the limit of where people will go. Yeah. You know, that's an hour and a half away. You can go back there and back and, you know, have fun. And, you know, two and a half hours is a, is a, is a commitment. Yeah. So you need a place to stay. And you can either go out further to the coast, Mendocino, which is a beautiful town, Mendocino. Mm-hmm. Town of. Yeah. Um, and the county is gorgeous. Plenty of hiking. Um, but 
that's yeah, that's that's a limiting factor in the popularity is the distance and the um, the occupancy or the what vacancy. Yeah, whatever, you know. But would you be happy if that didn't happen? If if it was stayed a little more rural and you could just sell the wines and the wines like speak for themselves. But uh, I guess like once the wines reach a level, people want to go to the place. The, the thing is, so it is that it's going to happen. Yeah. 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 And it's just a matter of when and how well it gets, it gets accomplished. Um, but then, you know, on the, uh, this is kind of like one other, uh, side of it is that there's not housing just to house our employees. Right. You know? and so, yeah. And so that's, that's another issue. Like, uh, you need, when you need to pick all those grapes, you know, we're reliant on, uh, outside, uh, pickers to come yeah, in and, all the way up there yeah yeah and so you know we, we work with some uh, some groups that help us that way so that we're not having to like find you know 60 people on our own yeah and so um so that that helps out but uh it's just that part of it is you know it's isolated um and i would i do appreciate the fact that it's uh quiet mm-hmm. um and it's uh, rustic and it's real and authentic and there's like a purity in it. Um, it's a small town, though. So like, yeah. you know, and I, I grew up in a small town. I mean, you knew Healdsburg, maybe mm-hmm. it was a small town. It's not a small town anymore. Well, that's what's so funny. People come in, they're like, "Have you been to Healdsburg?" Yeah, and I'm like, "Yeah, I've been to Healdsburg." Like, and this was early on. Like, it's magical. It's so amazing. And they're going on about. It. I'm like, Healdsburg. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, right. okay. I mean, like, it was on the way to Windsor Waterworks. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, sure, but yeah. like. It just made this change, like, was it by me about 10, 15 years ago when I moved down here to go to school and stayed? People started talking about Santa Rosa, Healdsburg, mm-hmm. you know, even Windsor, you know, it was like all these magical places. And I'm like, it's I like mean. When I moved to LA and DTLA was like not a thing. Yeah, exactly. and now, I mean, but really, kind of. Like, yeah, no, it it's is like true. It's like nobody would go there. And, and now, now there's like home. a two Michelin starred restaurant in Healdsburg. Yeah. Like, which, mm-hmm. uh, single thread, which is uh, crazy. And, you know, like, there's some amazing things happening. And I was like, gosh, you know, I wish... <laughs> my brother's like, I wish I would have bought a house there early 2000s. Like, because now it would be worth, like, five times as much. Because, you know, you can't... It's hard to find anything there now. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. So we're uh, a victim to the popularity up there. But so Anderson Valley, for instance, mm-hmm. I think, uh, it's got a ways to go because there's just not a lot of construction. Um, but I would be... I would be, you know, there's always that pining of, like, days long ago. I, mean, I think every yeah. old person goes to that, event, you know. But um so appreciate things the way they are now because it's going to change regardless, you know, and there's just a lot of people in California. Yeah. And they're going to need to want to go somewhere on the weekends mm-hmm. or, um Is there an airport around there? There is. I mean, it's a small private airport. It's a private one yeah. though. Yeah. So I you mean, have to, yeah. Yeah. But I mean like I mean like Santa Rosa, you can fly to Santa Rosa now and that flight from LA is to Santa Rosa is pretty affordable mm-hmm. and direct and yeah. great. It's a great little airport. Yeah. Does a does a job. Yeah. Gets the people there to drink the wine. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell my wheels are turning? I'm like, what if I move to Anderson Valley? <laughs> right. I buy like an old farmhouse and oh, we can put right. it into a small boutique inn and then we can do weddings on the weekend. Podcast <laughs> booth in the back. <laughs> Podcast booth in the back. And uh, Tie in with all the wineries. Pitch, pitch, pitch. This is my idea. Right. I like it's it. It's better than taking the bus. <laughs> you guys, I took, I took yeah. the bus to the Soho house yeah, the other right. day and I was so proud of myself. Oh my God. And when did you start there? When did you get the... In 16. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so Domain Anderson, Rotorua State uh, bought a winery in 2011 mm-hmm. that was in, um, that was started like breaking ground in 2007, 2009 was the vineyard they were planted, a little 20 acre parcel around there. Uh, but, uh, you know, come around 2008, nine, those were like the kind of rough years in terms of like if you overextended yourself, mm-hmm. it was like not a very brisk time economically. So the previous owner had to, you know, forfeit his project and, um, and unfortunately, uh, but Rotor Estate, that was, it fit perfectly because, oh, nice. because Rotor Estate want has, you know, we have all these grapes, right. Uh, making sparkling wine, but it's in California. So it's warm enough so you can get the grapes ripe. Yeah. Um, and, uh, have always like wanted to do, uh, still wines and made always a little bit of still wine, but, you know, sparkling wine, still wine, you're going to have different sized 
machines, equipment, mentality, sensibilities, uh, everything is pretty different about mm. like making uh, top tier sparkling in the in the in the mold of champagne, yeah. as well as top tier burgundy uh, or top tier pinot in the mold of burgundy. So really had to. The, the fact that there was another facility that has small tanks, a vineyard with like planted to different vari- uh, different clones of Pinot and a little bit of Chardonnay, it, it fit right in to what uh, Rotor had always wanted to do, and the family has been committed to do so. Um, Wow. uh, In California now for 35 years. Wow. I see we have a few bottles lined up to try, and then I don't know if you wanted to. Yeah, should we try? I'd love to try some of said still wines. So, do you just have one winemaking facility then for the sparkling and the still, or do you have two separate ones? Just to clarify. So, we actually have, so um, there's uh, three wineries up there, but they're like uh, five, six miles apart. So, Rotor Estate is out towards the coast towards a town called Navarro. And then mm-hmm. you go into Philo, and then there's Schaffenberger Cellars, which also produces a California sparkler. Yeah. And then Domain Anderson, which is another couple miles um, towards Boonville. So those are the three facilities. Okay. We have vineyards from Boonville all the way out to Navarro, and that spans, so the valley is pretty much 12 miles. Okay, well. So it's a small valley. Mm-hmm. So not only is it... Um, hard to get to it's always going to be small yeah and so <laughs> there's giant right, mountains right, right. <laughs> uh, and yeah and the redwoods are still there and, yeah. um, oh. and so so that mm-hmm. makes it um, redwoods I yeah. love those it's so beautiful <laughs> right. stay alive yeah <laughs> stay alive mm, yeah no kidding we need them to start with the Pinot the oh, 2013 right. estate and so this is our village wine it's made from nine different sites from the domain. So, Thank okay, you. let me back up. 650 acres farming uh, since the late 80s uh, for, for Pinot Noir and Chardonnay for sparkling. 50 of those acres now are dedicated completely to still wines. Okay. So when you're farming for sparkling and farming for still, it's a little bit different as mm-hmm. well. You need to, you know, for Pinot especially, you're going to have skin contact. You can't load up. I mean, you can have a little heavier uh, yields with uh, with sparkling wine because you're pressing mm-hmm. immediately. Uh, but for for still wines, you know, you're going to want that concentration, um, the skin contact, mm-hmm. and so let them hang a little longer. On a little longer, yeah, yeah. You, it, you know, you're taking a little bit more risk to ha- hang them longer, and, but and a little bit more clusters on on the vine because, like as you said, you're pressing right away. You for don't the need to do as much wine. thinning. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So yeah. So we go through and thin if we need to, um, huh. but but so so I said nine different vineyards um, from the deep end, which is out towards the ocean, uh, twenty miles from the ocean, uh, and that's how the fog kind of comes in from the from the ocean up the valley and then back down to uh, the Boonville end of it, which is the warmer site, and this is an expression of uh, of the domain. It's our like I said, our village wine. It's what we how we grow grapes. It's uh, all the vineyards are three to six hundred feet, uh, and up and down the valley, I'm noticing that really there's not a whole lot of difference between soil types. So it's like all sandy loam clay, mm-hmm. um, not a lot of rock there. You know, it's very kind of light soils. What's that main river? Is it is it the Navarro River? The Navarro River. Yeah, that big river that goes yeah. through there. Yeah. yeah, I went to a Black Kite. Uh huh. Yeah, I used to rep them, so we went to their vineyard up there. Okay. And they were right on the bank of that river. Yeah. And they're, you know, it's just gorgeous yeah. right there. They're making really good stuff. Really good stuff. We should Honor take to a work sip. with them. <laughs> now we're gonna take a sip. We're gonna take a sip, guys. Hmm. Yeah. So there's that delicious mm. kind of black fruit, a savory yeah. quality that I think comes from like Anderson Valley. Pinots. Yeah, is that what the, I mean? Like, I'm like, I put my nose in there. I'm like, I feel like this reminds me of Anderson Valley Pinot, and I'm like, I can't quite. I don't know what that is exactly because, like, to me, it's like a richer. Like, I don't get that like cherry coke thing where I get for like SoCal Pinot mm-hmm. or like Central Coast Pinot. It's almost like there's more restraint, or there's something more complex, or it's like a deeper, darker element there. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Well, it's definitely. On the dark spectrum. Yeah. On it's the goth bla- pinot. <laughs> with it's the black pinot. lipstick. No, yeah. I'm into yeah, this. Exactly. I'm really into yeah, this. Yeah. Trent Reznor would love this pinot. But it's not like... But it's not that overripe yeah. thing a lot of people yeah. do. It's, or heavy. It's, it's elegant. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's what, uh, uh, you know, from a champagne house making sparkling wine, 
I mean, uh, that's what we want. We want to preserve that finesse and that yeah. elegance. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, what our Pinot, our estate Pinot really is about. I like it a lot, yeah. Yeah, delicious stuff. So this is the 13. And a little bit more about it. It's kind of getting a little wine geeky on you. Sure. It's, no, no it, go for it's it. It's like 30% new oak. Uh, I, I only use uh, two uh, types of oak, two Coopers for uh, the Pinot program. Mm-hmm. Um, spends 15 months in barrel. French oak, American oak? French. French, yes. French oak. <laughs> I mean, Rotorer, come yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, no, I know, I know. just yeah. checking. No, I, would have, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, Kirkus Robur, Kirkus Sisiflora. Uh, <laughs> I mean, wine dorkiness. Yeah, uh, I haven't, anyway. yeah, I don't, I have never used American oak on anything. I can't remember. Oh, burn. Yeah. Take that, American Bible. dill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stay with bourbon, American oak. Yeah. Take that, Rioja. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, wine jokes. Yeah. Wine jokes. <laughs> we can go back to the um, bus. Okay, so uh, I interrupted you to find out about the oak, but I was Sorry. curious. 30% new oak. Yeah, and there's All about yeah, 3% stem inclusion in the fermentation, about you know 12 days on the, on the skins. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty straightforward. I don't use any, you know, it's all natural or uninoculated fermentation. You guys are organic okay. and biodynamic, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, yeah. So right after purchasing the property in 2011, uh, immediately started farming. Well, there was the, some of the vineyard needed some care. So immediately started farming organically uh, and replanted a bunch. There was a lot of missing vines there at that property. So 20 acres, 17 of its planted 15 of that is pinot two of that is chardonnay we have some heritage clones and some dijon clones so we started started planting or started using organic practices in 2011 and then by 14 we were certified ccof organic and then uh, by that means you do this without sulfur well, that's different. So okay, okay, so I wasn't sure because well, no, I know yep, there's farming, some where yeah. you can use small amounts, and then I'm just I I have no beef with the small amount of sulfur. I think some people can use some, so I, that's why I'm, I'm just always curious what the different levels of what people are allowed to do because it gets so confusing. It it is a little confusing, yeah. But um, but I have to I, I need to get it straight, and I'm <laughs> and so and then in 2016 we're uh, certified Demeter Biodynamic. Nice. So that's just another. I mean, it's organic. It's just another mm-hmm. step in uh, in our farming practices, and so. Um, in 2018, so this is the year that I'm going to be able to put organic on the label. So I'm. Oh um, yeah, it takes three. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I'm, I'm certifying the winery. Ah, so that will be without the salt. Yeah, it's yeah. it's without like a. Inorganic sulfur. So you could use organic sulfur. Interesting. Uh, but not in you know not the. Uh, uh, chemical yeah. sulfur, and then of course all like your finishing and fining stuff has to be organic as well, and like yeah, I don't use any of that stuff. You can't no use any sort no of filtering. I mean, yeah. I think you uh, like you can't you use can, any sort you of like can use some of that stuff. You can definitely filter yeah. any like lactose or any like I don't know like fish bladder. I don't know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. That's icing called, glass. That's yeah. called icing glass. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. Yeah. No. There's no. And if I and if you grow it and make it correctly, you don't really need to put any of that stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, See, you know how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Which, well, like, what's funny now, like from the consumer end, is like I could pour this wine for someone and they wouldn't believe that because it's too clean of a wine. Oh, right. uh-huh. well, because people, so people are coming to believe people that wines com- made that way taste funky as opposed to just like lovely and delicious. Like uh, people have come like like consumers have kind of believed that if it doesn't smell funky, if it's not cloudy, that it's not organic and that it's not officially Sean and I have some beefs with the natural wine movement basically right. is what or we're that, saying. Yeah, or um, that or that any sulfur whereas is bad. there are wines yeah. that are organic and, and natural and lovely and don't uh, and they're just beautiful wines. Right. Yeah. It's hard to I mean, is there a definition for natural wine now? No, like, that's the no, thing. that's the problem. Yeah. It's all subjective, right. and it's all like yeah. so hearsay. But yeah. there's very much a trend towards like wines that uh, I would call flawed. Um. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 there's you know I guess there's good funk. There's good funk, definitely. Sure, yeah, yeah. there's good funk. There's yeah. balance, but in it's everything. still funk, right? But and I had like the funkiest, personal, most flawed, <laughs> like quote unquote Sancerre, and I was like, this isn't Sancerre. Like, oh yeah, you know, just because it's like they just got like botrytis grapes and made wine out of it, and you know what I mean. Like, but it's not of the region. Like, just because it's tastes like sunset. It was like all these flawed grapes, basically that uh, they picked probably for I don't know uh, for thinning, and then just made wine out of it. I was, like, I don't know. It just if I bought that, 
in a store expecting one thing. Yeah, Sancerre prices. And just, and it was like deep rust colored orange, you know, horribly flawed. And I was like, I don't, but because the grapes were grown in Sancerre, you can call it Sancerre, but. Sancerre or Sauterne? No, Sancerre. Sancerre, yeah. Yeah, 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 Loire, yeah, yeah. So it's like, I mean, like you're expecting this, you know, like chalky, uh-huh. Like dry, crisp, clean, you know, like like a rock yeah. Sauvignon Blanc, and you're getting this rust-colored, deeply <laughs> oh yeah, flawed, flawed mm-hmm. wine, yeah. and passing it off as quote unquote mm-hmm. natural, organic. This is like the evolution of Sancerre, which is so no, backwards. Yeah, it's not evolving. It's yeah, devolving. It's devolving. Right. Yeah, or yeah. it's just passing off like crappy grapes. That's why for I get excited Sancerre. by wines like this. I'm like, you don't even have to. You they're, they just taste like great yeah. wine, and, yeah. and you are you are organic and biodynamic mm-hmm. and stuff. But you don't so feel like good. the need to like, I don't know, parade mm-hmm. it in front of people's faces. To, like yeah. it's just beautiful yeah. wine. Right. Should we should we keep going? Oh here? yeah. yeah let's do it. Uh, so I wanted to show also a 2015, which uh-huh. is a you know, different vintage. Mm. Uh, this is our single vineyard Wall Raven, and I was talking about Wall Raven. Wall Raven. Wall Raven. I like that name. Show you the no, bottle. Right. So that's a vineyard closer to Boonville. Uh, it's a mid-slope, uh, like 350 feet. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of pennyroyal mint in that. You know, when you're walking and when I'm sampling it, I, I smell the, the pennyroyal as I'm mm-hmm. walking over it. Uh, it's uh, planted, I, we do a Chardonnay and a Pinot out of that block. But it's very, it's got this herbal quality. And, uh, and, and I, I've, I've, this is only a 50 case production. But these are like the small lots that I want to showcase the vineyard and the site. And, mm-hmm. and um, all right, so this has an herbal. Yeah, herbal and spicy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah, so that's the 2015 uh, You said writing. sage, didn't you? You say sage? I didn't, but no. I think there's some sage and thyme. Sage and thyme? Like dried, uh, dried herbs. Sounds like Thanksgiving wine to me. Oh, yeah, this would be a great Thanksgiving wine. Oh, yeah, it would. Hell, I'd drink this with the entrees and dessert. Yeah, so 15 is, oh. you know, I'm going to show the... It's very ripe. Vintage differences. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think 13. I mean, there's a couple. Is that riper? What was riper? It was the drought years. Mm. Uh, the beginning of the drought years. 15, we're kind of climbing out of the drought years. So we got really hit with like really low yields. I think we got like one mm-hmm. ton an acre. But I bottled this just a little bit so I can track the progression. So we're also switching that to biodynamic farming. And this was uh, by 15, it was still conventional. Mm-hmm. Uh, also switching it to cane pruning. So that takes uh, three years or so to identify a, a cane mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, to train that up. That's um, an older vineyard um, to, planted to a clone that's mostly for uh, champagne wines, actually. I was going to ask, like, different between clones for champagne or for still. Or, like, are there some that cross over and kind of work for both? Or are there clones that work better for this one? Yeah. Well, this this is one of, you know, you get the clones from Dijon mm-hmm. or, and a heritage planting. And so they all always express itself differently in that site. You know, so like a Dijon clone grown in Dijon is going to ripen differently than a, <laughs> than a Dijon. Dijon clone grown here. Yeah. Which is what, you're, you know, those are most of the, anything planted in the 90s was, was, was like Dijon, Dijon clone. Dijon clone, yeah. The For all the yeah. yeah. But this is a, 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 a main difference uh, is that most of the, the sparkling wine clones should I would say I say should because this one actually does not, but keep its acidity like at 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 at, at, at high sugars. It keeps it, it keeps its acidity at a low pH. This one, for some reason, the, this vineyard really it gets up to like it naturally gets ripe to a point and then it stalls. So it gets, stalls at like 21 bricks, 22 bricks, which is like a, you know 12 percent alcohol or so. And but then the acid really starts falling off. So I need to pick it before the acid really just like crumbles. Right, because right. Because I, I don't want to add acid. And so that's, it's a tricky balance. But then so it means that the grape is ready. It's kind of ripe then, at least flavor profile. And so I'm, you know, this little bottling is going to help me with, and we're going to track it over the course of, you know. See how it ages and stuff? We'll see how it ages, but also see how the efforts that we make off the vineyard. Uh, you know, I have 16 and 17, and now I have 18. So, yeah. so we're able to see, track, okay, this is what 
uh, we can have a record of like this is what biodynamic and changing the cane pruning mm. and, and all you know all these efforts in the vineyard and now you know in 18 we got like three tons an acre which is because one ton an acre is not sustainable economically that's yeah. just like not gonna happen we're you know <laughs> gonna try to improve that right yeah yeah and so three tons an acre is like more in line with quality a balance between quality and production mm-hmm. and so the you know the, our farming is is happy our wine making is happy it's like and then it's making you know stellar wines uh so you know so we're right we're right there it's getting better so but uh the transformation of uh, of that wine is uh, it'll be good to see in the future yeah. cane pruning that is that's the yeo the you take the Right. Well, so or, or, so it's on a trellis system, and right. we're, we're, we have a, a cordon, so like you just take okay. two two arms, and then you have spurs off the arms. Oh, okay. Okay, that's cordon. I get confused because sometimes geo they call like replacement cane pruning, so I wasn't sure if you yeah. meant that or if you meant you had a cordon. Like, well, it's on. similar. So the geo would have a cane, yeah, and instead of an arm, but it's it's head, it's it's uh, it's really about the head, yeah, and how it's it, it's trained one way or another yeah i really need to visit vineyards sometime because i've done all this reading and studying of like pruning techniques and stuff and i feel like until you like see it with your eyes and check it out it's <laughs> still like is idea in my head yeah. that i'm mm-hmm. like have a hard time with uh yeah. figuring out isn't it so much like 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 a double guillo then too wouldn't that be mm-hmm. you but you're do doing like, cord- yeah. you have cordons you have cordons. currently but yeah. we're okay but you're going to guillo yeah or well, you're going, going to to cane, which is not necessarily so, so we just have two, every two year canes. You take yeah. okay. Is that, that the same as double guillo, or is that different? Yeah, it's similar. Okay, so we still, still, still just bring out two canes. Yeah, every year, so you know it, it kind of gives us insurance, but it also the it's an older vineyard, so the vineyard is planted really far away. Uh-huh. I mean, the vines are kind of far apart, so uh-huh. we need to like fill the trellis and kind of fill the empty spaces and mm-hmm. make maximum use I'm of. amazed at people, like, just all the reading I've done about this recently. I'm like, oh, my God, how do you guys do it? How do yeah. you? It's amazing to me. It's such an interesting science of balancing everything between the soil and the sun and yeah. shade. And, totally. and it takes time to learn Vigor and, yeah. yeah. Uh, we have so uh, cool. Uh, Bob Gibson, our uh, vineyard director, has been with Rotor Estate since he's 24, and he's, wow. uh, he, he's a grandpa now. So he's been there since, uh, I want to say, like, 80 so in Sonoma no in in Rotor State oh he's been farming Rotor State grapes since he was 24 that was like 1991 or something like that okay yeah so he's he's been around for a long time and he's still he's still our farmer yeah he's still our our, the vineyard director of of all those 600 acres are you um, on some steep hillsides there too some uh, up in the back there not super steep Um, like I said for so out of and that's the sparkling wine stuff so most of the still wine were kind of in the middle bench. Mm-hmm. That whole kind of like the little high. Like our our vineyards are three to six hundred feet. Okay. Uh, but then some of the sparkling vineyards are close to like uh, I'd say probably twelve hundred feet. You know, those wow. are those, those are our highest vineyards. Highest vineyards. Yeah. Um, with a nice view of the valley. Yeah. So all the sparkling wine we farm it specifically for. I mean, all the still wine we farm it specifically for still wine. Yeah, it's fantastic wine. It's oh, really thank good. You. Yeah. Delicious. Um, so I have some Chardonnays as well. We Ooh. can get into those. When it comes to when you're not drinking your own wine, or when you, have you had special occasions in your life where there are certain wines that have, have like a special place in your heart, or, or do you have a wine that was like, I don't have one personally, Sean does, but like the wine that you tasted that made you go, whoa, wine. Um, yeah. Feel I, free to answer any right. or all of those questions. <laughs> So, so the one that stands out in my head, the one that kind of made me be, be like, wow, this is good. And I was young. It was like, it's the 87. Yeah, I'm just like, wow, you got started so young. <laughs> right, right. Lucky. It was, it's the 87 uh, Jordan uh, Cabernet from Alexander Valley. Ah. Yeah. I, it was just delicious. I was just like, wow, this is really, really good. I mean, this is something that. Is that at your uh, parents' store? Or? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and, and it was uh, it was something that I, I, I just never really took. I mean, it was the first time I really, like, kind of paid attention i suppose and uh yeah. you know just making just making a statement at the at the dinner table and it was like it goes well with the, whatever food i you know don't really remember the food but yeah. um that, if, of all the wines that's the one i remember so the 87 jordan cab do jordan your parents cab. are they still working in wine or no no sold the sh- sold the shop and they're no they're retired 
So and are they like, shut up? We don't want to hear about the, wine no, anymore. No, no. I, I get them a lot of wine, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, they're 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 happily retired, still living in Hillsburg. So <laughs> they should uh, stay there. It's a great place to retire. <laughs> right? Worked are, out. Going back up to Santa Rosa. Um, I was just there for my reunion, actually, and uh, it was crazy how much it's changed. And then speaking of just like the tourism part of it, like like all the hotels were so full. And it was, yeah, and like, and kind of expensive, you know, for, you know, I I attribute that to like the wine stuff, which I'm happy, you know, I'm glad that they are, you know, have all these people coming to, to come stay there and, uh, you know, drink the great wines up there. But I was like, oh, wow, such a different (laughs) than 20 years ago. No, I've been reading all the stuff about how like a lot of places will like Napa did this they try and once it gets really full they either they just try and start attracting the tourists who are willing to pay the most so the less tourists more money yeah and they try and like demarket so Sonoma got busier because Napa's like take some tourists please <laughs> yeah we can't handle it uh we have something new in our glasses it is golden yeah it is golden it is golden gold this is the 2015 estate chardonnay so similar to the Estate Pinot. This is a blend of our some uh, seven vineyard sites uh, from the estate. It smells very much like a Burgundy I was drinking last mm. night. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Typically, we have the Chardonnays planted on the lower section, so a little bit more clay. There's, a, I guess, the soils are slightly more anaerobic, mm-hmm. and um, I am searching a little bit for uh, that slight reductive quality, the flintiness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say. I Mm-hmm. Getting that. The 2013 on the Pinot, just back to that. It's, that's not the latest vintage, though, right? What's the? No. Yeah. Well, it's it's uh it's available uh, now, uh, but the latest vintage we have the the 14 out now. Okay. Soon going on the 15. Um, but we tasted so, yeah. the 15. No, we tasted the 13. Not. Oh wait, I thought we tasted 13 and 15. 15 on the the wall um, uh, the wall the wall Oh, okay. Well, Raven, yeah. excuse me. Sorry, I'm going backwards. Anyway, Chardonnay. We're drinking Chardonnay now. Yeah. I mean, this is like a really mm-hmm. nice, bright, acid-driven Chardonnay that still has some nice body to it. We'll crush the fruit for a little pre-pressing skin contact. Does this undergo mallow? Yes, 100% mallow. I was thinking. 100. Yeah. I wasn't sure. And, uh, Wait, um, what's that pre-pressing, from, pre-pressed fermentation? We basically crush the grapes and let it sit in a bin before we load the press whole cluster, oh. the crushed cluster. Yeah. So we crush it and soak it and then press it. So, okay. so, yeah, yeah, so yeah. we're not yeah. destemming, you know, we're, right. you know, so, so it's whole cluster. 100%. 100%. Uh, yeah. Some, some, you know, I do a mix, some vineyards, yes, some vineyards, no. Hmm. Uh, but so this is, that's a, a practice that is employed to capture a little bit more of that, you know, richness, but not too rich. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, in the white wines, in the Chardonnays. And just it's really, and I mean this with the highest compliments, it's reminding me of the uh, the Burgundy I was drinking last night. Oh, like, yeah, great. That's, I'm definitely getting it's it. really That's good. a high compliment. I, I just got that waxy crayon on the nose. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm against California Chardonnay all the time, but I'm a right. Burgundy fan. Uh, yeah. And I love... I love elegant Chardonnays that oh. aren't, yeah. Well, that's What's the, the oak regime on this? So the oak regime is um, 20% uh, new. Mm-hmm. But uh, in, in reality, I, I do group like the one, like the first, the new and the when one fill together. So I, I count that as like part of the 20%. So there could be some so like good. one fill. So it's basically just like tampering down the, the kind of oak influence mm-hmm. uh, in the wine to letting the... The wine just kind of be delicious on its own with a little bit of oak to kind of uplift the fruit, mm-hmm. contrast against the, the fruit, but not to overpower it. And that's what, uh, and there's a little bit of stainless steel ferment in it as well. Oh. So like 10% there. Can you speak to what gives that, that flinty quality? Is flint the, so sometimes when I get what I smell on this that I smelled on, I, I always called it a slight gassy smell and I don't have the, is flint the proper term for it? Because I, now when you say flint, I'm like, oh, that's what that is. Like, well, it's a little like, like uh, reductive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's like kind of stone, wet stone, yeah. uh, earthiness to it. But just yeah. a hint, so it mm-hmm. makes it kind of yeah. adds a little depth to it. It's not just like big fruit. You know? Right, yeah. right. Which I think that it just lends itself to the farming. So 
oh. you know, kind of getting back to talking about biodynamics, it's a, you know, we're, we're farming in biodynamics, the soil underneath. And so the, there's life in the soil. We're trying to, instead of killing with, uh, Roundup, or mm-hmm. uh, it's it just kind of like, uh, you're planting all those cool little flowers so and stuff in between, yeah, right. But also, but underneath the microbes, the, yeah, the, the the mushrooms, the um, that you know, the mushrooms have a very delicate uh, what they call mycelium, mm-hmm. which is what they spread out. There was the champagne I had called like Mike. Curries? I, I forget, but they, oh, yeah. were, they were like super, it was one of the most, and it wasn't even like their highest level, but it was one of the most extraordinary champagnes I'd had, and they were, they were big into their, I, he was French, and I couldn't understand everything he was saying, <laughs> right. but he was trying to explain the like relationship between the mushrooms and the wine. I was like, it's making good wine, whatever it's yeah. saying. But that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. So there's like a community of, of uh, you look at the vineyard, on, on top, you can see all the, the vines on top, and there's like the leaves and the, the vine and the grapes. But underneath the soil is a whole community of, uh, you know, earthworms, mushrooms. You know, so, like, there's a whole living community. And when you're killing things, you're kind of destroying that community. And yeah. what communities do is they end up or they communicate with each other and yeah. interact with each other. It takes a village. Yeah. Right. It takes a village to raise a grape. Right. 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 That one little grape. <laughs> that one little grape. Yeah. Um, it takes a whole village of mushrooms <laughs> and other plants. have to let the mushrooms and then we ride crush the bus it with the grapes. And, <laughs> and, and then shove it, in, yeah. shove it in a barrel. Yeah. But that's, that's what biodynamics will help us. Thus, have uh, the grapes express a little more from the soil. Mm-hmm. And, and so in the wine. Uh, now, ultimately. do you also, I, I visited one biodynamic uh, winery and they also had like goats on the land. And I don't know if all do, but they were like, it's all part of this whole uh, inter system. Yeah. Do, you, do you have that as well? Or is that, an, I didn't know how much was necessary and how much was just her uh, finishing touches. It's totally all part of it. We want a vertically integrated uh, organism, which is the land, which is the, the farm. So we have animals mm. that are taking from the farm or from the land, giving it back to the land in the form of compost, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and then we take it. You know, we, we compost uh, all the stuff that we take out yeah. and ferment, and, and then have animals to transform that to like kind of add to the the life. You know, in a different form, uh, back to the soil, and so we have the microbes underneath uh, or the microbes degrading that and it all it's all kind of trying to create that nice balance space Mm -hmm. for the vine to thrive and so yeah so that's good wine it makes good wine thank you really good wine uh, we are at. Let's an taste hour. one more. Let's taste one more. I, I, have and then some, we I mean, like this. This, this, is so this episode's going to be long, you guys. We're just. Yeah. We're sorry, but there's just so much cool stuff to talk about, and we got to finish. So, and, yeah, if you guys want to turn it off, you can line. turn it off. Hey, but we're gonna, you, you wanna, might miss a gem. Hey, maybe you're in a big traffic jam, and this is like, yes, thank God. Sean, the don't tell them to go away. Like, so you guys, long. we have hot goss coming. <laughs> Basically, I want you to know that you can make your own decisions in life. <laughs> if you know what, you don't have to stick around. I would yeah, love for you, you do. to stick around. I disagree. Okay, Ellen's going to be a little more militaristic about it, but I'm just going to be like, chill. <laughs> chill. <laughs> Sean just uh, grabbed all of our glasses and finished our wine for us, and he's... Uh, Don't judge me, Alan. <laughs> I was thirsty. I had a tickle Too in Chardonnay. my throat. I had a tickle. Yeah. Too Chardonnay. Cheers. Too Chardonnay. Chardonnay. So, so this wine is a 16. Wrong. In theory, to David, who's looking oh, at our yeah, time. Yeah. This is very, very different. Ooh, yeah. So different vintage, you know, one vintage later, but this what is like this is? the 16 dash. So this is our biodynamic vineyard, the, the flagship vineyard around the winery. Okay. And that little two-acre that I was telling about, yeah. the Chardonnay and the clay soils kind of at the bottom of the hill. There's a lot more aromatics for me on this right away. Mm-hmm. None of that gas, as I put it, that, yeah, <laughs> that I that now know I should right, call right. flint. But, but to me, this is really speaking of the place. Oh, this is what like this is what, Chard- what you can make Chardonnay out of on that piece of property there on those two acres. It and like lilacs. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, I think it's a and and the texture of this. I love the texture of this wine. So what we do with yeah. the, the single vineyard Chardonnays is that we pull them out of. So the single, so the estate Chardonnay we bottle after ten months in barrel, 
and the single vineyard Chardonnays will pull out a barrel after uh-huh. 10 months and put it in a tank together as a blend, but keep the light lees and that'll age for another 15 or another five months and then bottled uh, in February when we bottle the Pinot. So that, I think, helps it kind of integrate with each other. There's almost something kind of uh, not quite anise, but like a chervil about yeah. it, like a little bit like herbal. In a, this is... It's, there's five five uh, five acres of that you said no two two acres of this yeah, but there's only of this bottling I only made ninety cases so th- oh, these wow. are very very small yeah uh, wine club and tasting room only uh, wines but but oh, sorry oh. do you see you see what I mean in terms of yeah. um, trying to just make it different yeah make it, make it's it, it's a hundred and ten percent different than that yeah. but they're both good yeah. in their own right so the so the estate really showcases our overall kind of general philosophy mm-hmm. what we can do as an appellate in the appellation and, and growing it and really kind of you know i'd like to drive that conversation of what is an anderson valley pinot noir what is an anderson valley chardonnay yeah and like uh, being there for the last 35 years as making sparkling wine i think we're we're set up to be a part of that that conversation to what you know yeah. what it is to me make still wine you you know you worked at black kite and yeah well, I worked with Gregory Condes, okay. so he sold his wine. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, but, but still, so you, you're, but yeah. fam- you're familiar with the Anderson Valley. And I think uh, right now there's, uh, you know, there's an identity. In Russian River, you kind of know what you're going to get. Yeah. And they've been making it long enough and kind of uh, like-minded producers. And, th- and they're probably in, you know, their third generation, like the Rocky Oles. That's three generations right now. Yeah. Uh, for instance, you know. Um, and... Uh, and Anderson Valley is, you know, is getting there, but we're trying to establish an identity and like, you know, what makes, you know, aside from like pick decisions and like, you basically have like a bigger kind of more ripe style than the, the leaner style, but really, you know, what makes Anderson Valley wine in Anderson Valley? And I think that that's, that's a conversation that uh, we'd like to continue and, and try to like be on the forefront of it and make that benchmark Anderson Valley. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, wine. like, just my impression from this wine. So I've never had a Chardonnay like this before. Ever? That, <laughs> not, I, the I, one I we're really, drinking right now? Yeah, the one we're drinking it's right now. It's really refreshing, and there's almost something toasted. I keep, I feel like I'm the stereotype in Sideways. I'm like, toasted marshmallow? Am I getting toasted marshmallow? Yeah. This is uh, it's really interesting. At first, it's, it's super subtle, but it's, like, really interesting. Yeah. But I think there's like a really delicate like yeah. nose of like a really complex like f- more floral element. Yeah. There's a lot to be picked out in the nose. And then you and then you taste it and it has really balanced acidity and there is a roundness to it. You're like, "Oh yeah, uh-huh. this is Chardonnay." Mm-hmm. Like in my mouth, this is Chardonnay. But it's playing with this like these like high like floral notes that you don't get a lot of. Usually you get these heavy stone-fruited sort of like bigger notes. And there's like a delicate sort of like top line here. And that to me is what is sticking out as unique to Anderson Valley mm-hmm. in this. And I'm like, it's so cool. And I'm like, I know it's like just this one vintage. I mean, this, this one vineyard. Um, but uh, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going over to take some Come back with that wine. I mean, it just Dirk feels like a... Dirk wants to drink yeah. some too. And it's like, as you said, like, what is, like, what's our expression, you know, in terms, and like, it's, it's, it's just like art. Like, what am I going to do based with all of these raw materials and all of these raw elements that I have of sun, (laughs) soil, grape, you know, fog, whatever, where, like where we're at and how am I going to express that? What shape will I make the branches in? (laughs) And I just feel like it's really unique. Yeah. I mean, so applaud you for this unique expression of Chardonnay. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we are very excited by what we drank today. <laughs> I am very excited by Anderson awesome. Valley. Yeah. Um, come up there. Across the board. Yeah, I will. Yeah. I know. You need to come up there. No, I know. I want be, to. Yeah. You need to do a road trip again. Yeah. <laughs> That's at the road. Yeah. Good idea. to get out of here. Good yeah. idea. No, it's fantastic. I would, yeah. We'll take I'm a bus. I'm up there a lot. <laughs> Just bring it home. Uh, we'll start our own bus line. Take a bus. Take a bus. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about or to, I mean, I feel like we should start to wrap it up, yeah, right? Yeah. Probably. We are We've been getting recording late. a little while. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Domain Anderson, like, <laughs> do, like, where can we find the wine? Are they in a lot of wine shops down in LA or, or wine shops or mostly we're, restaurants? Yeah, we're, or? we're getting to be in more, uh, we're mostly in restaurants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I feel like I tasted the Domaine Rotary like sparkling at Effervescence LA last year and was impressed. I feel like yeah, I think the Rotary State's been around yeah. for, for but the, the Domaine Anderson's newer. Uh, yes, yes, gotcha. exactly. Yeah. Now you know we're, we're the 
were the last in line, mm. uh, the most recent in line, I'm sorry, it's just that, that's a little better worded, of the Rousseau family in, uh, in Anderson Valley. We're making the still wines for Rotor State. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same care that we put in that Lermitage wine, that is uh, a dynamite wine. Fantastic. We put, we put into, we're putting those efforts into making the Chardonnay and the still wine. And the Pinot Noir. Well, you guys, you heard it here first. It doesn't matter what other podcast you hear him on, because he recorded one before he came here, but you heard it here first. <laughs> that other podcast. I don't yeah. even know what it's uh, called. Sh- sh- um, and then we just ask everyone one yeah. last question. Just what's bringing you some joy, some some lightness, some, some happiness, happiness in, in your life? Like most recently? Yeah, most ha- recently. Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Are you, uh, are you, are you Halloween? Uh, yeah, I was a martini glass. I was a dirty martini. Ooh, okay. I, had, I put on like a dirty blonde wig, and then uh, but my but my kids, <laughs> but my kids, uh, they, they're it's it's you know Halloween's for kids, and, and yeah. it was it was fun to see no, them around. No, it's not. And that was it's for adults <laughs> too. Right. Oh right, yeah. right, right. Were uh, you were you up in Anderson Valley or were you down in Hillsburg? Hillsburg, yeah, Hillsburg, yeah. Oh, cool. yeah. Um, that was my most recent joy. So. Do you pass out the <laughs> good candy? <laughs> is there bad candy? Yeah, I guess no, there is bad candy. There's, there's bad candy. like yeah, there's those bad candy. weird. Unfortunately, yeah, that's a taste thing, though, isn't There's it? There's like, the uh, like texture thing, toothpaste, <laughs> the apple with the razor in it. That's bad candy. Yeah, that's a, that's an urban myth. <laughs> Hashtag bad candy. Hashtag bad candy. Um, <laughs> well, it's just too much candy. Uh, that that's way. true. So, there we go. Uh, yeah, candy's bad right, candy. Right, right. Um, but, uh, well, thank you so much. Wait, for, what did your kids dress up as? Oh wait, uh, one was an angel and one was oh. a rocker. Whoa. Uh, here, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you make them like perch on your shoulder, like devil rocker, angel? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, someone tell me what's well, good. One's too big, and okay. the other one uh, I didn't put on my shoulder, but yeah, <laughs> they, they were having fun, and it was Aww. it was it was a nice neighborhoody thing to do, and yeah, you know, it, it was a uh, yeah, it's the holidays, you know, the holidays, yeah, it's, it's the beginning now. I know. Here the, we go. Right. Yeah. No kidding. This will probably air first week of December, but. All the better reason to get people to relive Halloween because <laughs> I'm a fan of the holiday too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. This yeah, was really lovely. Yeah. Thank you so lovely. much for being here. Yeah. yeah cheers. For having cheers. Me. Yeah. yeah. My pleasure. Cheers. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with my I just drink wine. I don't fuck with men and maids. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with coffee maids. I just drink wine. Give me red, white, or say, don't touch me, motherfucker, I'm a sommelier. This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.